This is Ian Hartley. I'm Warren Kay. And I am Sasha Steenbergen. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Rediscovering God podcast. And we invite you on this journey with us as we've entitled this podcast, Who Really Is in Control? And I'm hoping that by the time we finish the podcast, you have will have discovered an answer to that question. So, Ian, tell us a little bit more about what you uh, have prepared and what you're thinking. We all love stories. So here are a couple of stories to get your uh, thinking juices running. A young Jewish woman is given the choice of having an ongoing sexual relationship with a God so that her mother can have enough food in one of the concentration camps of Nazi Germany. What sort of a choice shall we call this? Here are some options. Free choice, forced choice, Abusive choice, controlled choice. What do you guys think? And of course, I may not have uh, listed all the options. Well, I would I would say that it's all of them except the first one. It is not a free choice. It is a choice, though. It is a choice. She can say yes or no, but the consequences are horrendous. Yeah. Uh, either way. Here's another one we've used on the podcast before. A young man says to a young woman, marry me and live happily ever afterwards. Refuse, and I'm very sorry, I'll have to shoot you. So what sort of a choice situation is this? Free choice, forced choice, abusive choice, controlled choice? I'd have to go with forced and abusive. Mm. Yeah. So um, choice is a very important part of our lives. When our choices are thwarted, we are frustrated. Uh, You only have to look at uh, a little child who wants something and you refuse it, uh, and they yell and scream and jump up and down and throw tantrums on the floor. Um, So this is common to human beings. Some people are even prepared to die for their choices. And some we admire and others we think they're stupid. Mm-hmm. Choices always res- uh, can result in order or chaos, happiness or sadness, prosperity or poverty, peace or war. And what's interesting uh, that we're going to discover in this podcast is there's a mix of punishment and consequences for the choices we make in our lives. And it's really helpful to distinguish between a consequence of a choice and the punishment Mm -hmm. uh, that you can experience because of the choice uh, you make. Um, Making this distinction uh, brings clarity to a common statement. God is in control. You know, we're all subject to control at different levels and can one really have a choice if you're controlled by circumstances or another person? 
There might be a choice in the way we respond to control, but it's not free choice if there's a punishment or a reward. You know, I hear people make that statement that God is in control um, almost in a way that absolves them of taking responsibility for their choices that, you know, well, God is in control and there's kind of a, a, a resignation to that fact. And it, it frustrates me because um, I mean, maybe, um, well, to, to put it honestly, if God is in control, he's doing a really poor job because this world is a mess. Yeah, a good point. Uh, you are, of course, uh, taking the statement, God is in control, very literally. And that's yeah. legit. Um, we have cultures, and English used to have a Latin phrase, um, Dio volente, which means uh, if it's God's will, mm. uh, meaning God's in control, and this will only happen if he's in favor of it. So you would use the sentence, uh, I'll come and see you tomorrow, Dio volente, mm. meaning yeah. if God's okay with that. In, uh, in uh, Arabic culture, uh, they have a saying, inshallah, um, mm. same idea, mm -hmm. God willing. God willing. Yeah, yeah. the Lord uh, willing. Yes, and when I lived in uh, East Africa, in Swahili, they say Sharia Mungu, which means, oh, that's God's problem. Oh, uh, oh interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> you fall off your bicycle and break your leg, you say Sharia Mungu, you know. <laughs> Whether <laughs> God willed it or did it or it's uh, really not my fault. Yeah. Uh -huh. Didn't matter yeah. that I was riding too fast down a hill. Right. Yeah, I, I see that you, you have a different culture, but I'll not hold that against you. <laughs> so, look, the, the way to try and bring some clarity into this uh, thinking about choice and control we need to define a few terms, and this can be very boring. So spice it up if you can, guys. Um, let's talk about law first. There's inherent law, uh, which means it's in the nature of the existence of a system or the cosmos. We're talking about things like gravity, magnetism, light, life, including health and so on. In other words, um, we don't make laws uh, to tell gravity how to work. Mm -hmm. The laws of gravity are descriptions of how gravity works. Um, they're not prescribing how gravity should work. And so that's what we mean by uh, an inherent law. Now, why this is important is that inherent law does not... Um, have punishment or rewards. They're only consequences. Mm. Like um, if you understand how gravity works, you don't get rewarded if you follow um, your a, a good relationship with gravity. Um, like when you jump out of a 10th floor building uh, window and go splat on the pavement, that's not a punishment. 
mm-hmm. or jumping out the window. That's a consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a natural consequence that just happens. Nobody has to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to jump in and say uh, reward and punishment is a man-made result of a choice you make. Inherent reality doesn't have rewards or punishments. It only has good consequences or bad consequences. Right. A law of life is I need oxygen. So if I tie a plastic bag over my head and prevent myself from getting a good source of oxygen, it will, uh, the consequence is it will take my life uh, because I don't have what my body needs to be able to live. Yeah. So then we're saying that God inherently designed that, like all the inherent laws God designed or created initially and then there's no need for reward or punishment because everything will only then be a natural consequence out uh if we like like Warren saying if we choose to take to not take part of air we are then creating a natural consequence of death for that and see by the end of the consequence we should be able to decide that when genesis says um that God said, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Is that a punishment by God? Or is that a consequence of making that choice? So this is kind of uh, uh, a useful and uh, uh, beneficial way of thinking. Yeah. Right. So a consequence we just need to talk about consequence because we don't talk about punishment and so on a consequence is a result inherent in uh, the action or the choice nobody has to impose it on you Uh, it's just there and it's usually consistently there not always we'll come to an excuse so here's some examples uh, getting lung cancer after smoking for 40 years. That's not a punishment. God doesn't punish you with lung cancer. It, it's a consequence of uh, a chosen addiction. And, and your family doctor doesn't have to find you and inject you with cancer because you've been smoking so long. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. If you experience atherosclerosis after eating a high animal fat diet for decades and your heart gives up or you get a stroke, that's not a punishment. By the way, the the word stroke, uh, the etymology, the origin of that word is that uh, people would suddenly go paralyzed and they would say, this person has been stroked by God. Oh, wow. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, because they had no explanation. Right. How could a person right. just suddenly go paralyzed? It mm. must be supernatural, right? Yeah. 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 Of course, attributing everything to God then. So, killing a pedestrian while running a red light in your vehicle, uh, you're not punishing the pedestrian. Uh, by running the red light. Um, This is a consequence of the chaos you've caused. 
Yeah. And the pedestrian isn't punishing you for running a red light. Yeah. Now, yeah. if uh, you're caught for running the red light, uh, you will be fined under normal circumstances. That is a punishment, and that is imposed by a human agency. Yeah. It's not inherent in the deed. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's it's designed by man to to prevent you from experiencing the alternative, which is killing someone when you run the red light. Good. So often we impose laws uh, to prevent the consequences of inherent law. Yeah. So imposed law uh, are systems created by man in order to to create uh, harmony uh, in your environment, in the world around you. Like we're talking about traffic laws, uh, speed limits, lights, stop signs, uh, roundabouts. Um, these are all designed to, I like what you said, protect us from the inherent consequences of disorder. Yeah. But n notice now, if you, an imposed law always requires uh, some power to implement them. Um, you, you have to have police or fines or incarceration or something. And that isn't true for inherent laws. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So here are some examples uh, of imposed law. Tax requirements. You, you have to pay your tax. What happens if you don't? Well, um, Canada Revenue will come after you. They'll threaten you with fines. If you don't pay your fines, they'll take you to court, and who knows what will happen. Yeah, so uh, traffic rules, same thing. When you travel, there are requirements. You know, you, you have to have a passport. You have to have... Uh, what else do you need? You need the ticket and some countries. Vaccinations. You need vaccinations. Some countries you need a visa. Um, these are all imposed requirements or laws. Mm -hmm. So punishment is not inherent in an imposed law. Uh, it is rather an imposition by a powerful person or organization on an offender yeah. the province can prosecute you or canada can prosecute you or the city authorities can prosecute you and so on it's endless but they are always uh, punishments or rewards are always uh, originated in some powerful person or an organization Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're they're imposed. Yes. Yeah. So examples of uh, punishments are traffic violation, fines, expelling incorrigible students from school, imprisoning citizens, and so on. So I just want to update you now. We've defined two different kinds of law, inherent law, imposed law. And we've said that in inherent law, you have consequences, good or bad. And for imposed law, you can have punishments or rewards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I would be curious to know where shame uh, fits into this conversation because I'm just, as I was thinking through the different ones that you're saying there, um, you know, with inherent law, um, I feel like, you know, that one may not have as much uh, shame associated with it. Like, I'm just trying to think of things that happen, you know, with an imposed law, if, if, you know, you get caught, you know, I don't know, speeding or whatever else, you know, you might beat yourself up about it and might be like, you know, what was I thinking? That was so dumb of me to do or whatever it is. Right. But yeah. where, you know, and with punishment, I mean, often, you know, people get angry when they're being punished they are not necessarily going to be contrite and feel bad. Uh, but many people may feel that or shame associated with these things. So I'd be interested to know where shame comes in regards to where does shame come from? Well, we know where it comes from. Um, it comes from uh, the feedback we get from the people around us, like, parents who tell their children um you know you were an accident we didn't really want you um yeah and uh you can not, never do anything right yeah yeah you're, you're not the brightest spark on the block things like that um, so i just want to clarify that shame is something that happens after something has happened but shame would never be given from god like i'm okay. trying to you know what i'm trying to say like yes yes I, like, I think what you're saying is shame is the consequence of imposed law shame is the consequence of imposed law right because in inherent law you know like you said you know, jumping out of the building or whatever, like gravity is gonna, well, first of all, you won't be experiencing shame because you won't be there to <laughs> have it happen. But you're right, because it's not something that um, somebody decided, okay, well, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. And then how someone treats you after you've done something, I can see then definitely would would play to how much shame someone Okay, so this is a better question than you know. Um, so let's have winded back to Adam and Eve. Okay. Um, as soon as they sinned, they experienced shame mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that they sensed that they're naked. Right. Yeah. Is a sign of shame. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And also experienced guilt. Uh, guilt because they had done wrong. But yeah. where did the shame come from? So this is the part of the story that isn't told. Yes, yes. Somebody told them. Uh-huh. Somebody told them. Uh-huh. So I'm suspecting it was the devil. The yeah. serpent hung around, and we don't have that part of the story. Yeah. And uh, he laid the shame on them after they'd sinned. Yeah. No, that... So that... he... So, so who would have imposed that? The, the, the devil. Yes. Because, because 
there's only God or the devil at the option, and God doesn't deal with shame. He, I mean, he doesn't use shame. And so the devil is the one that imposed that on them, got them to believe those things about themselves. See, we, we have a cryptically short uh, narrative of what happened there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when God comes to Adam and Eve, he says to them, who told you you were yes. naked? Yes. Yeah. You get the implication. Yes. yes. Yeah. God's question. Who told you you were naked? Yeah. They wouldn't have known it if somebody hadn't told them. Yeah. Well, that's the implication of God's question. Yeah. And, and, and they wouldn't, unless someone had hinted that it was a bad thing, even if they became aware they were naked, they wouldn't know that it was a bad thing. But somebody led them to believe that it was a bad thing. They had to hide. Because I feel like the shame aspect to me is way worse punishment than any actual punishment that could be given to you because it it's a whole body experience to feel shame. And what a way to uh, take someone out of the game. I know shame takes me out of the game and I will beat myself up for days after if I feel like I said something that, you know, was out of turn or I wasn't thinking or whatever. I didn't read the room or something like that, you know? And I feel like it has a lot of power, but then to realize, to distinguish where it's originating from, I feel like is key for me to taking that power out of the, out of the sting, so to speak. Okay. So this is a good segue for defining power. Power is the ability to achieve my desires. So let me give you a few examples. Um, Warren would like the ability to drive at 100 kilometers an hour between traffic lights. I would need something more than my little Honda Civic to be able to do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you might need a, a motorcycle or... Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Okay. I would like to be able to bench press 500 pounds. <laughs> wow. Ian, now that's impressive. <laughs> my, my wife would like me to be able to do that too. <laughs> okay, I've got one for Sasha. Oh, okay. Sasha would like to turn the head of every man in the room when she makes her entrance. <laughs> wow. Ian, does. She, she does that already. Oh, that's Ooh. so sweet. Yeah. You're yeah, maybe with my loud laugh, maybe that's <laughs> what'll do it. <laughs> okay, so those are all examples of having power, mm -hmm. uh, and often money facilitates uh, our desires, and so it's regarded as a source of power. Now, allied with power, we need to talk about authority. Now, authority is the ability to influence others. Uh, because of your power or mm -hmm. earned admiration. Mm -hmm. So it, uh, there are two sources of authority here. One is admiration. The other one is that you just have power. Mm. So uh, Revenue Canada has the authority to claim taxes from citizens because of its power. There's the power of the state behind it. Mm-hmm. 
Bono are viewed too as the authority to get other music groups working with him to raise money for charitable purposes because of the admiration in which he is held. Aha. Uh -huh. So then admiration for someone would be then also what we what we talk about with saying like you have influence over uh, people or whatever, right? Yeah. He has a lot of influence. Well, okay. and, and it's something that people give you. You can't yeah. claim it, but they yes. give it to you. They give you that much authority over their life. Right. That much influence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So abuse, uh, we usually mean an abuse of power. Mm -hmm. um, is the misuse of power authority to achieve one's own ends. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you can use children as slave labor in some communities. You can exploit minorities by paying them less. Um, you can use political power to enrich yourself. Um, those are all examples of abuse. So let's talk about control. Control means to have the power to manipulate the thinking and actions of another or an organization or a machine or an animal and so on. It means that you can actually make people or things do what you want them to do. Uh, I felt like I had a lot of control as an older sister when I was younger. I remember once when we moved to a new place, I wanted this certain bedroom. And in my mind, I had figured out exactly how I was going to sell my brother on this other room and i'm telling you it was sad how it worked and now i feel bad <laughs> but i feel like that's something i definitely uh rose to the challenge of as a young person <laughs> uh and of course you can use your authority to manipulate uh, people just as well as power mm -hmm. so example of people who have control is a prison warder uh, a parent mm -hmm. has control over children up to a certain age. And then a, a good public speaker uh, or an actor mm -hmm. has uh, control mm -hmm. over the audience. And sometimes people have that power and control and or control without even realizing it. Like, for example, a pastor... Can can have that just because of his or her position, and and be find themselves in a an inappropriate relationship mm -hmm. that they feel is mutual, but because of their position, they really have more power, and the other person it doesn't have that same balance of power. Yes. Yeah, we we like to be in relationship with powerful people. I'm not getting a response. Yeah, I was just thinking that's why I like to be in relationship with Ian. Because... I know. I was just going to say, I name drop you guys all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ian, Ian holds ultimate power and control. He always, I have to ask him for permission to let me record. <laughs> that's right. He, that's he, right. He keeps his, uh, his cards pretty close. <laughs> so a few weeks ago, I had breakfast with uh, um, the former finance minister of Alberta. Whoa, uh, does. And the current um, minister of education and a former MP, Stockwell Day. Mm. Uh, so 
uh, and, and two of the pastors in town were the biggest churches. It felt good to be hobnobbing with all the <laughs> important people. Yes, yes. I uh, think they were happy to be hobnobbing with you, Ian. <laughs> okay, let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this statement, God is in control. Warren's already spoken to it uh, by saying that uh, uh, if God's in control of this world, he's sure doing a terrible job with mm -hmm. all the slavery, sexual abuse, persecution of minorities, economic unfairness. Does it really mean that God uh, manipulates everything in the world uh, to go just as he wants it to go? Um, that's taking the statement at its most literal meaning. Um, there is a, um, another way of looking at the statement, and that is that the final outcome will suit God. But I don't think many people use it in that, uh, in that uh, context. I think what they're doing is they're making a comforting statement they're not sure why all these things are happening, but they're just going to leave it up to God and let him sort it out. I, I guess what I need to do is just start asking people, so what do you really mean by that? Because um, it, it becomes a very easy way to just uh, end a conversation or, or not, not need to decide what I should do because, well, God is in control. And I'm not sure what people are implying. I have a hard time with it, too, because I've always wondered, you know, I hear people say, uh, oh, we're traveling, um, you know, uh, God has control over the car and, you know, all the things. And then I, I worry, though, because I think, well, if there was a car accident and if somebody died or something like that, then that is implying that God had control over that and that that was yeah. what his will or that it he allowed it or i don't even know like i've just i'm always stumped by what would the outcome be if it weren't favorable because everybody when they get to the other side and everything went well they go oh praise god you know whatever but i go well what about when something goes wrong yeah. uh then that leaves a lot on god's doorstep for what he supposedly had control over and and really when we it seems to me when you stop and think about it, I mean, how long have we been in this journey? It's 6,000, 10,000 years, you know, who knows how long it's been. And God still hasn't come to a resolution yet. Like if he has control, surely he could wind things up more quickly than he is, which leads me to conclude that he doesn't have control. He's waiting on people to make choices. He longs, for things to happen that aren't happening. And um, I think it, it's it's unsettling to realize that perhaps we serve a God that doesn't have as much control as we would like God to have. But yet how else can I explain or uh, comprehend why this has taken so long? Yeah, that's a good point to make. Um, so this plays out, for instance, in the way we pray. 
uh, when somebody's ill, we say, please bless uh, Tom, who's in hospital. So what do we mean by that? Um, that probably that we're secretly hoping that God will uh, heal the person or resurrect the person. Uh, but it also means that we absolve ourselves of our responsibility. Mm-hmm. And this is the frightening part for me, mm-hmm. uh, is because we are God's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are God's mouth. We are God's feet. And uh, my cell phone is God's cell phone. And I can call the person in hospital or visit them or send them flowers or, or do something for them. Mm-hmm. Rather than just saying, uh, oh, please bless yeah. in hospital. Right, because we want the magical healing to happen. Well, and also we don't want to take responsibility. It's for... true, because it's messy to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. And getting out of our comfort zone and being vulnerable. Well, and it just it takes so much more time to get involved and yeah. actually go visit yeah. them when I can just pray, God, you take care of them. Right, exactly. And if we have the thinking that God is in control, then of course that would make sense that he's got it. Yeah. I like the one that you said where it's like, that's God's problem. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Instead of like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's actually within the realm of what I can do something about. And, and, and And that is God's problem. He wants somebody to go and hello i he's brought it to my mind to pray for the person maybe i'm the one he's wanting to go right right but i think that this i'm i'm kind of seeing a little connection here between the the seven layer or the is it six or seven levels of um uh, uh moral development like growing up sort of like that when we're kids we want everything to be you know very certain very within the boundary lines and everything and that idea of God having control seems to me almost like a one or two, you know, where it's like the, it helps mm. us young to think that way. And yet I think when we're growing up, we need to see sort of that. It's like the first time you realize your parents are infallible <laughs> and you're like, what, you know, how is that possible? Right. And then to see that actually the world is complicated and that it's not, you know, so black and white. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I think that is a reflection of where a person may be at. Let's talk about your choice or your will. Mm. Um, there's a difference between will and willpower. Will is the choice you have. Um, and it's the ability to choose between alternatives. Um, now, there are some freedoms that we have in making a choice, and there are some we don't have. Let's talk about the ones we don't have. None of us had a choice in our gender, our race, our language of origin, our birth parents, our siblings, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you didn't have a choice. You get what you get, and you don't get upset. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... Who made that choice? Well, I suppose we could say God did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's just in the nature of reproduction, genetic function, and so on. So, and 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 there are 
things that happen in that genetic makeup that have become skewed mm-hmm. and, and altered. And so there are people that uh, through no choice of their own are born one way, but think another way mm-hmm. that may be born a male, but are attracted to other males and through no choice of their own. That's, that's they discover that's how they're made. You know, we have more information about uh, interpersonal relationships than we've ever had on Earth today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the last 20, 30, 40 years, uh, we've really discovered so much about our genetic makeup and our development in the womb and how this influences our lives. and how to uh, have uh, cross-gender relationships like between male and female. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge developments in these areas. And uh, now we're really coming into uh, our own on this uh, uh, idea of how uh, stress affects the embryo in a woman's body Mm -hmm. uh, and how it can affect uh, the uh, gender orientation of the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wash of hormones that, yeah. So what, what we do have choice is the attitude uh, we bring to incidents in our lives and the habits we develop in our thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And we have a choice on how we relate to the people we meet each day. Having said that, I immediately want to say the mechanism of choice is a mystery uh, to me. I know about maybe you guys understand it, but I know people who are raised in a pigsty who became princes, and I know princes who ended up being pigs. And I I don't understand this. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how... Um, a perfect angel in a perfect environment with a perfect creator could end up being a malicious rebel. There's yeah. something here beyond me. And, that is a big mystery for me, too. And nature and nurture, even together, do not predict the choices that will be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not to remove the responsibility for the choices we make but to emphasize that we need to be in awe of the consequences of our choices. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, I think that's an important point that we need to, to realize the, the results of the choices that we make that perhaps to answer our question, who is really in control? We are in control of our response to what we're given. And that determines a lot in our lives by the kind of choices that we make uh, as a result of that, whether we end up in the pigsty or becoming a prince is our choice. Although having said that, not to say that there are some people that are dealt a more bitter hand than others. Yeah. You know, um, I think, for instance, of young people who grow up with parents who give them no meaning in life. Mm. and that uh, then become prone to the misuse of drugs. 
because they they just feel meaningless in life. You know, the concept of choice has played a major role in Christianity since the 17th century. In the 17th century, well, it was a bit earlier, um, John Calvin postulated that God had chosen to save some people and reject others. And this was a matter of God's choice. And man's choice did not influence their final destiny. Jacob Arminius argued with Calvin, and he believed that one's final destiny was determined by man's choice. So you, we still have this conflict between the Calvinistic uh, um, denominations and the Arminian denominations. Is it God's? Are you saved by God's choice or are you saved by man's choice? And on these podcasts, we've espoused uh, that it's God's choice and man's choice that's necessary. It's not one or the other. Mm. True. That God has chosen to rescue and save everyone. Yeah. And, uh, and we get a choice in whether we want to um, believe that he's already done that or reject it. I feel like I need to hear that more often. I feel like that that was in the plan, right? The 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 podcast that was about that. And that that I think made such a big impact in my heart even like weeks afterwards. This idea that very, you know, from the very beginning he already saved me and that this answers this question that I've had always is like, you know, does God want me? Or am I okay? Am I enough? You know, all these things. And that he's literally like said, girl, I had you from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that's very powerful. And that's good news. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that out. That was really big. So we must rush to end this podcast. <laughs> um, we're enjoying it. And that's good. Willpower is the ability to stick with a choice. Usually one is blessed with strong willpower in some areas of your life, but there uh, are other areas where try as you will, um, it's very hard to make it stick. Mm -hmm. So um, a smoker who is able to quit smoking at will has strong willpower least in that area of addiction yeah um, eating less food or more healthy food uh, is a good sign of our strength of our willpower in uh, dietary nutritional areas so now we we come to where we've been trying to arrive at force choice means there is a choice but one or more of the options have an arbitrary reward or punishment attached to them. Mm. So the first story we talked about, um, this young woman had to decide whether her mother, uh, which suffer from starvation, uh, so would she in the, in the concentration camp, mm -hmm. or would she establish a sexual relationship with this God? That's a forced choice. Uh, there's no freedom in that because mm -hmm. uh, there's a punishment if she doesn't exceed, uh, and there's a reward if she does exceed. 
Mm-hmm. And both are imposed by a, a, another person. In power. And yeah. to make that a little bit more complicated, I feel like, because I just also read a book recently about a woman who was put into a similar situation. And before the war was over, um, people like her in her position were then punished for being um, what they considered co-conspirators uh, of this and were put into other camps and, and were brutally mm. you know, punished for this. And, you you know, your your whole heart just goes out to them, right? Because you're like, this was not a free will choice for this person. And to not only have to deal with what was coming to them while they were in this experience of trying to stay alive, then to be doubly punished for, you know, being in that, that really challenging head head game to figure out for them. That's hardcore. So here's some examples of a forced choice. A parent saying to a child, do you want to go to bed now? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the child has no no choice in it. All they can can say, yes, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is probably not true. They can say no, and a good parent will say, okay, well, then you can have five minutes more. But yeah. you don't give it. You don't actually have a, a free choice here. Do you want to go to bed before we have a story or after? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if you know that in Australia, if you don't vote at an election, you get fined. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. So voting is not a free choice in Australia. Interesting. It's a forced choice. And then in some uh, countries where you have uh, fascist government, um, if you vote the wrong way, you could end up being in jail. Mm. Uh, Yeah. And uh, the speed at which you drive uh, is not free. You know, you, you're forced to drive at the speed limit or less, but not at the speed you'd like to drive. Right. So now we come to free choice or free will. And I want to give you a definition. The privilege of having a choice between alternatives with no punishment or reward imposed for making any one choice. And we, we need to immediately make the caveat. There, of course always consequences for any choices we make. So here are some examples. Choosing which brand of pizza to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, choosing a friend. Voting for a political party in Canada. Notice in Canada. Mm-hmm. And now here comes the crunch. Choosing for or against God. See, is heaven a reward and hell a punishment, or are these consequences? Mm, you need to unpack that more. That's good. Well, so usually um, the way evangelism is done is that you hold out the carrot mm-hmm. of heaven and the, and the stick for hell. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're man or God imposed consequences, either yeah. reward or punishment. Well, most Christians believe it's uh, a, uh, uh, a destination imposed by God according to your performance. Yeah. Yes. Right. Have you been good? Yes, you can go. Have you been bad? No. Yeah. So we invented Santa Claus to have a, a secular equivalent to the way God is perceived. Mm. And the whole point of this podcast, in a sense, is to say heaven is not a reward. Mm -hmm. Heaven is a consequence of your relationship with Jesus. A natural consequence. Yes. So sometimes it takes effort to decide if an outcome is a consequence or a punishment. Uh, some uh, areas can be quite tricky. So let me just develop this a little bit. A helpful characteristic of inherent law, where you have consequences, is consistency. Jumping out of a 10th floor window mm -hmm. in any part of the world means you go splat on the pavement. It doesn't depend on the climate or the latitude. Uh, it's just gravity is pretty consistent. The fines for running a red light differ from location to location. Right. So it's not inherent, just on that one. Right. And if then you're not caught, there's no fine. This clearly makes it a punishment. However, the outcomes of running a red light can be confusing. If an accident occurs, shall we say this is a punishment or a consequence? The answer depends on the definitions made. Accidents are inherent in chaos. They are not punishment. Installing traffic lights has the ability to create order in traffic flow. Violation of this order creates chaos, which results in possible bad consequences, such as accidents and death. To encourage compliance, fines are imposed. Fines are not a consequence, but a punishment imposed by someone in power. Yeah, That's a good distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, if somebody's uh, hurt or killed in a, by a motorist running a red light, that is a possible consequence it you yeah. not somebody is not always killed when you run a red light yeah right uh, right so this is why you can't say uh, consequences are always consistent mm. uh, they usually are but not always some people smoke all their lives and never get lung cancer or emphysema mm -hmm. but that's a consequence um, so, um, what the question is, what causes the accident? Uh, is some powerful person causing the accident, or is it inherent in the action? Uh, and it's inherent in the action. Yeah. It's not imposed on anybody. Mm -hmm. Driving under the influence of alcohol has the possible consequence of maiming or killing someone. It is also a possible punishment if caught of a fine and the suspension of one's license. And if it's a repeat offense, the person could be incarcerated. 
So here's the definition of free choice. This is when uh, a person considers the consequences only in the decision-making process. If a punishment influence our, influences our decision, then it is a forced choice. We need to recognize that emotion also has an enormous influence in any choice we make. Mm -hmm. Ice cream is not a healthy eating choice, but it's a wonderful choice from a taste buds point of view. <laughs> True. I like that. We have heroic choices, and they are such because they are made in the knowledge that the choice is going to have bad consequences or punishments. The hero makes a choice at personal expense for the good of others. Mm -hmm. Like chosen martyrdom is an example of a heroic action. And in this case, Jesus is the greatest of all the heroes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We need to conclude. Uh, the alternative destinies of heaven or hell are presented as a forced choice by many religions. This view of the consequences of our moral choice is reprehensible to thinking people. Some the higher, some a person higher up on the scale of moral development just finds this unacceptable. And one of the reasons is that we know no one chose to be born on this planet. So to punish someone for the circumstance of birth is as wrong as racism, sexism, or ageism. I, you know, this is a point that I don't hear discussed very often. Uh, what I do hear discussed is our responsibility to choose correctly. But the, the context of how we got on the planet is usually not discussed. Mm -hmm. There are different destinies for humans, but these are consequences, not rewards or punishments by a divine dictator. Some people die young. God didn't decide how long they would live. Death is the consequence of deterioration on the planet and in our bodies. Death is also the consequence of accidents, bacteria, viruses, and malicious people. I think it's time we take responsibility for our choices because they all have consequences and sometimes a punishment or a reward. It's time to cherish the free choice we have as a gift from a good God. We admire this gift by giving the people around us free choice in our relationships with them. Coercion is not part of the love of God for people. Love means the opposite of coercion. This is why Jesus taught us not to resist evil people. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, do not resist an evil person. Matthew 5, verse 39. Right. So, Ian, in answer to the question we started with, how would you answer that? Who is really in control? I would say that when you love somebody, the highest hallmark of loving that person is you give them control over their lives. Hmm. Look, the whole idea of rape is when a powerful person usually male, coerces a weaker person, usually female, uh, to have sex. Uh, and society looks down on that. 
and, and it's looking down on it because of the principle uh, that the stronger may not coerce the weaker. Yeah. And uh, we have even better motivation for saying that God cannot coerce the weaker because God is love. Yeah. And love does not demand its own way. I mean, that is very clear from 1 Corinthians 13. Mm -hmm. So it is impossible uh, to say God is love and God controls you. Right. Yeah. They're diametrically opposed. Right. Yeah. Good. And I like the way of describing that. That's helpful. So this is why it takes so long for this, uh, the history of evil on this planet. Mm -hmm. Because God can't step in and annihilate all those who are opposed to his government. Yeah. Those are not the principles of love and freedom. No, because we actually see that here on earth now in certain countries where if you speak out against, you know, the leader or something like that, you know, that person disappears and people are ruled by fear. And ultimately, I think this idea of God, this is helping me also because I'm just seeing how much fear ruled my life, even in coming into this picture because it's so ingrained, this idea of having to do good in order to win favor. But this inherent law, I don't know, creates more freedom, but also a little bit of insecurity in like, whoa, I guess things are a bit more personal responsibility comes up to mind then. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have freedom without responsibility, take the responsibility for it. Right. So God is ultimately respecting us highly then to say that I love you and I made the concept of humanity here and I'm going to respect you to the utmost to say that you are an intelligent being who can make wonderful choices to love others, to care for others, and to also uh, choose to accept the love I have for you into my life. That's expansive. So, you know, the development of children uh, illustrates this. Uh, you control children when they're very young, but as they grow up, the control is reduced and uh, self-responsibility uh, is encouraged. Right. And eventually, you have no control over the child. You just hope they phone home once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Does God treat us as children or as adults? It's quite clear. He treats us all as adults. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he gives us this identity uh, that we are his adult children, but not only children, but royal children. We are his princes and princesses. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have even more responsibility mm -hmm. because of your identity in him. But he likes us. And so then that draws us in to to want to say, I want to be in that relationship. He does. 
Yeah. I love the line that uh, William Paul Young included in the shack where God says, I'm especially fond of whoever they're talking about, which which kind of speaks to that thing that God is love, but he also likes us. Yes. Huge. I love that. And you know, um, you know, you can love all the members of your family, but there's some members you really enjoy being with. Yes. Those are the ones you like. <laughs> <laughs> That's one yeah. of the, the acid tests of do I like you? Yeah. Do yes. I look forward to being with you. Right. Yeah. So yeah. this was very philosophical. Um I'm philosophically philosophical by nature, and we hardly reference the Bible at all. And sometimes you just need to think clearly and cogently about some of the concepts you use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, very helpful, Ian. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah, it. I- Thanks, guys. Let's pray. Dear God, we apologize for passing the buck to you when you gave it to us. And we need your help to take responsibility for ourselves and to grow up into noble princes and princesses of yours, to do the good we can each day in our lives in thought and word and deed. You're wonderful for revealing yourself to us. We could never have discovered you. You're amazing beyond our imagination. Thank you so much, God. We worship you. Amen. Amen. You will find the PDF document that we're following today on our website, rediscoveringgod.ca, where the recordings, the PDFs, the podcasts are all listed there. You can share that website with your friends and they can follow along. We'd also really love to invite you to the Monday night Zoom discussion where we all gather in fellowship with each other, all us listeners of the podcast where we can come with our questions, comments, thoughts, um, resources. It's a wonderful time of encouragement where um, we get to affirm each other and encourage each other. Um, So that's uh, Monday nights at 7.30 Mountain Time. You can just type in 403-506-9201. And we'd love to have you there.